Welcome. Together, we're going to explore our personal finances and figure out how to improve them. Whether you're just getting started in life on your finances, or you may already have a home and a car payment, and you're struggling to get credit cards under control, or you're getting a later start in life on saving for retirement, ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com is a podcast to educate those to improve personal finances whether it's eliminating debt or making smart investments. So let's now get started. Hello. As I promised last week, I'm going to talk about how much you should budget for food, and how much you should budget for clothing. I'm going to change my format. It's spring now, and instead of reading the articles to you, I'm going to post a link in my show notes so that you can go read the article yourself, and I'm going to read the parts that I think it's the most important. For food budgeting, it's uh, theweek.com. How much money should you budget for food by Alex Bonsi? So how much money should you be spending on food? The answer is far from clear cut. For starters, it helps to put food spending in context with your overall budget. The average American spends 6.5% of his or her clothing or household budget on eating at home and 11% eating out. Coming at from another angle, the largest expense of most households is housing, followed by transportation, which we covered last week, and then food. I'm not going to give you the averages. If your food budget counts for significantly large, larger portion of your overall budget or leapfrogs your spending in either of these other categories, it's probably too high. That's needless to say. If you're spending more on food than you are on housing, depending on where you live, even depending on where you live, that's probably shouldn't happen. You need to go to the grocery store way more than than what you're doing. Remember, these are percentages of your net income or your take-home pay. But to get started with, I'm going to scroll down here to the bottom because I think it's the most important. So you, what you should start out with spending on your food. The first thing you want to do, since you've already been doing it, is you need to keep track three or four weeks of your grocery bill, plus how much you spend eating out. And then you need to add that up and see how much you really are spending. That that would be step one. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you should already have a budget based on what you are spending on an average. So you could look back at your average spending that you've been, that you already have in your budget. Maybe you need to track it forward for the next three or four weeks to, to make sure how close your budget is and then go from there. Then compare the results. The never, the national average for a dinner out is $39 and 40 cents. Of course, New York City is $48.15, $48.15. Cents. Well, Austin, Texas is the lowest at $25.81. For lunch out, people typically spend $10. These numbers can add up quickly and they outpace your spending at the supermarket. It's another sign that your budget is off. 
So what they're saying here is you should be spending more money at the supermarket than you're spending money eating out. And I agree 100% with that. It's always cheaper to buy it at a supermarket and make it yourself. If you want to get an idea and have a source for more precise guidelines, you can turn to the U.S. Department of Agriculture's monthly report on the average cost of eating a nutritious diet. They're grouped in four different budget levels, thrifty, low-cost, moderate-cost, and liberal. Each report, which draws from the Consumer Price Index, and assumes that all meals and snacks are prepared at home. This is also incredibly detailed. There are different costs that cost different age groups for men, women, and children, and for families of two and four. It even includes guidelines on how to adjust the numbers for larger families. Just get out your calculator. You can use that as a reference to what you're spending to see if you're in line as far as your budgeting go. And then the article goes through and gives some dollar amounts. Basically, when you get done with the math, probably going to be surprised what you're really spending. Now, if you've been, you've had your budget set up for a while, if you listened to my earlier podcast, did an average on your spending for your food and groceries, you should have a good idea already. It also says almost 70% of Americans say they eat out too much, according to a recent survey that looked in the ways which we waste money. In fact, the top four unnecessary drains were all food-related. 32% of people cope to tossing uneaten or expired food. 25% they spend too much on alcohol. Another 25% meant to racking up higher than ideal grocery bills. We know we're doing it. So why are we doing it? It should be um, ways to cut down your food budget is eat out less. Had, you know, had to be said. Pretty good common sense. Shop less. The more you hit the supermarket, the more likely you to spend. It helps plan your meals at least a week in advance and bring a detailed list. Having a list will help you avoid impulse purchases. Stay away from snacks or reduce them greatly, like potato chips, pretzels, stuff like that. Because that really gets expensive in a hurry. Be sure to check your list against what you already have in the pantry and freezer so you don't buy it again. That way you know what you need and you can skip buying on things you don't need. Use coupons. Buy fruits and vegetables that are in season. And the best way to tell if they're season is by price. The cheaper the price, the more in season they are. Peaches are usually earlier in uh, in the summer. Apples and other fruits are usually later. Well, strawberries are in June. And so it's just like when the price drops on a certain item, that's when you should be buying it. Because that usually means it's in, in season. So that's the end of the article. They make a lot of good common sense stuff. Lower the better. Remember, you're already spending 30% of your net income on housing, 15% on transportation, if you spend, so they're at 45%. If you spend another 6%, you're up 51%. You know, the more you're spending there, the less you're going to have for other things. The grocery store, you should spend 6.5% of your take-home pay. And your eating out is generally 11%. I think those percentages are based on if that's the only place you eat. 
So if you go to the grocery store, it's the only place you get food. It should be about 6.5% of your take-home pay. If you go out to eat for every meal, it's going to be around 11%. Or that's why you should do a combination of both. Go out at the grocery stores, make it a event once a week, once a month. You're rewarding yourself for hitting an achievement because you're trying to reduce your debt. And if you keep going out to eat and you keep putting it on a credit card, and you're just making it difficult to pay off credit cards. That's that's all I have to say about the food and eating. And we'll go on to uh, clothing next. Weekly reminder. Do you know how much is in your checking account? Have you projected your expenses forward for at least one to two weeks in advance or pay periods, whichever is greater? How's your budget coming along? Have you been updating your budget every month trying to get a better average so you have a better projection going forward? That's a key thing to do in trying to reduce your debt. Also, have you reviewed what you're paying Have you called your providers and tried to get a better plan or a lower amount? That's an ongoing thing. I mean, you got to do it at least once a year for everybody. Some things you can adjust down, some things you can't. Uh, If it's your uh, heating and air in the house or your apartment, the only thing you do is set the thermostat up or down depending on the season. You set it down in the winter so you use less. You set it up in the summer so you use less. So just a reminder, you got to keep at it. So that was the weekly reminder. Let's recap your housing. This should be based on your net pay. 30% of your net pay for housing. 15% of your net pay for transportation. 65 to 10% of your net pay for food. I'd say I'd just average that out to about 8%. So you'll be about, uh, what's that, 45, 50, 53% of your pay is housing, transportation, and food. So now let's go on to the next most important or most expensive thing you spend is the number four category is clothing. This is an article that I found. It's going to be in the show notes, the, the uh, link, so you can go directly to it. By Jeanette Johnson. JaysEverydayFashion.com is the website. How to set a clothing budget. She's been doing a budget for over five years. Why have a clothing budget? Clothing is a necessity. The first and best reason to have a clothing budget. Clothes are a necessity because you simply can't leave the house without them. Every personal budget includes clothing, so it's important not to overlook this category if you're organizing your finances. It relieves the guilt. The first thing I notice when I create a budget is that I it relieves buyer's guilt. I am my father's child. I absolutely hate spending any money on clothing, even though I love fashion. This stigmonity and guilt used to eat me alive. Having a budget, though, can actually be great medicine for this because if it's in the budget, it's fair game. I don't let my conscience guilt me any longer. It creates family peace. Along the same lines, if you are married or sharing your finances with someone, having a set budget can be a great way to bring peace to your home. You don't need to discuss purchases with your spouse and you don't need to hide your shopping bags. If it's in the budget, 
that you mutually agreed upon, then it's fair game. It helps with purchasing decisions. Another one of my favorite reasons for having a clothing budget that helps with purchasing decisions. If you have $200 to spend on a shopping trip, then you can view potential purchases as a piece of that pie. An $80 blazer that is marked down from $300 might seem like a steal, but if it's almost half your budget, then it may not be the best use of your money at that time. A huge part of being a well-dressed person is being a smart shopper, in my opinion, so having a budget can certainly help your style. How to set a clothing budget. Your income. Most financial planners recommend to set aside between 2 to 8% of your take-home pay for clothing because, again, clothing is a necessity. This is a great starting point for computing your personal budget. This can actually be a pretty large range, though, so how you decide which numbers to go with? Keep reading for more factors to consider. Your family. The first thing to consider is that the budget includes everyone in your family, so if you have children, then their clothing also needs to come out of this budget. If you're single, then the budget is just for you. So you adjust accordingly. Your job. Your job is going to be another huge factor in deciding how much money to set aside for clothes. Some jobs, such as working in a law office or a fashion magazine, are going to require clothing that is higher quality and a more variety. And therefore, you should create a larger budget. A job with a uniform, however, should save you a considerable amount of clothing since you only need clothes for weekends and fun occasions. Your financial goals is a huge, this is another huge factor to consider. Are you saving money for a house? Are you paying off credit card debt? If you have significant financial goals or stressors, then you will want to reduce your clothing budget as much as possible, make room for these or other more important categories. I don't recommend completely doing away with your clothing budget, if at all possible, though, because if you completely close off the category, then you can actually lead to irresponsible and or sporadic spending. Your values. You may value other things in your life more than clothing, such as traveling or donating to charities. These can be reasons to reduce your closing budget and move those funds into other categories that means the most to you. Your shopping habits. Another factor to consider, do you tend to shop often or only a couple times a year? For someone who shops often, I would, I would like to suggest a monthly closing budget. If you tend to shop in one or two big chunks every year or when you have a big life event such as a new job, a closing budget just for your shopping trip might be a better route. So what she's saying there is, if you only go to the and buy clothes, say, twice a year, you don't need a monthly closing budget. You need a semi-annual clothing budget and you adjust accordingly. So if you figure 2% a month, if you go every six months, that would be 12% of that current month with 0% on all the other months. And if you have a larger family, then you're gonna, it's going to take more out of your budget because you got more people to close. So if you're single and a non-professional, say like me, a truck driver, I got a shirts I wear. I got pants I wear. I just buy my pants like once a year, usually when I either wear them out or outgrow them or shrink, which doesn't happen too often. It does. Occasionally, I lose weight. 
how to stick to a clothing budget. Keep track. I'm not great with math, but even if you are, it can be difficult to keep track of your spending. If you don't write it down, it can seem like you're spending way more than you actually are or vice versa. The best way to keep yourself honest is to simply writing it down. Carryover. If you have a monthly clothing budget, don't ever pressure yourself into spend that month, that same month. I definitely don't recommend it as a use it or lose it mentality. If you want to save up some, something big, then carry over the budget you didn't use for the previous month. Or you do what I do and save some of your budget for the best times of year to score great deals right after Christmas in late June, early July when the clothing seasons change. So what she's saying here, if you have a monthly percentage set aside for clothing, you don't have to spend it in that current month. And what she does is she buys some clothes. She looks for the time of year after Christmas and then in the midsummer when the, you know, clothing seasons change. You can do that. A lot of people probably buy clothes more towards the fall, back to school. It's entirely up to you if you want to set up a monthly budget and make it a smaller percentages and then you don't use it as long as you don't overspend in other categories where you're actually using up your clothing allowance budget for other things and you actually put that money into a savings account and you have it then you're you're good to go i would just recommend put it in your budget two or three times a year uh plan on when you're gonna buy you you probably have a habit of when you buy your clothes so i would look at that and then look at your current monthly budget and then adjust your clothing just for that one month or those two months or three months. Return overages. Let's face it, sometimes our eyes are bigger than our wallets. No biggie. Whenever this happens to me, I go through the purchases that month and pick out a few things to return. If I really, really love them, then I don't take them out of the next month budget or I simply go back and buy them next month. So she overspends. She actually takes her purchases returns them and if it's something she really wanted she'd go back and buy it the next month now if you bought it on sale you probably don't want to do that i would just reduce your next month's budget and hold on to it overall i think there's a wide spectrum when it comes to clothing budgets some of us may be entering overspending territory on a clothing budget can help you scale it down some of us may be too frugal. Yes, that's such a thing. I was this person. And a clothing budget can help you gain the confidence to invest in quality clothing that is more appropriate for your job and lifestyle. A clothing budget helps us find balance and I experience helps you become a better dresser, brings peace of mind, and saves you time and money. So that's the end of the article. If I have the link on my show notes if you want to read. That's pretty much everything. It's not quite everything, but she made some very good points in there. And I think I've already covered that. You don't have to have a, it should be 2 to 8%. So now you're up to about 60% of your monthly budget if you go to 8%. You know, with your housing, food, transportation, and clothing, you're going to be close to spending 60% of your take-home pay. That leaves 40% of which 20% is going to be, should be going to savings 
whether it's savings for retirement. Remember, retirement is the only thing you cannot finance. Or savings for your children's education, savings for buying a new car, a bigger down payment, whatever whatever your your you know long term short term savings goals would be for whatever you want to do with it. So that leaves another twenty percent, which I would call overage. You know, you got sixty percent of your budget take home pay already budget. Remember, it's the fifty thirty twenty. So you already got 10% going in overreaches, which is making up that 30. So you got another 20% leeway there. So if you're young and you want to retire early and you want to save more, you got room to do it. If you're older and you didn't start early enough, you can increase your savings for your retirement. So you got a little bit of leeway there. Remember, these are only guidelines. If you are over these percentages, I wouldn't worry about it. The main thing is you need to keep focused on what you're doing already. If you can get down into these guidelines, you're going to have a lot more flexibility with your spending, which is going to make your life a lot more easier, happier, less stressful when things like the coronavirus pops up and they shut down the economy and you're out of work. Hopefully a lot of you are working from home. So if you're out of work and you have to go on unemployment, one, you have your emergency fund build up. You can go a couple of weeks before the first unemployment check comes in. You got enough to make up the difference for a month or two until you can get back to work. Hopefully not a lot of you are having those problems, there's a lot of unemployment out there. I forget what it was. We're up almost to 15, 16%. In Ohio, I think it's 16% unemployment. It's important to have the emergency fund build up, and we all know why now. Remember this episode, I used my new format where I was reading a new article and I threw in my comments as I was reading along. Hopefully, you could tell the difference. I tried to relate to the author in context like he or she so you could tell i was just making comments or when when i was just reading the article i hope you enjoy that a lot more i'll see you next week that's the end of another episode i hope you found it useful and if you'd like to share this episode with your friends please do so I'm open for any suggestions for improvement or for information that you would like to talk about in future episodes. You can go to my Facebook page and leave me a message. I'm more than glad to comply. To find my Facebook page, go to ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com and click on the Facebook icon to go to my Facebook website.